0: If you have your Bible today, I'd like you to open with me to the Gospel according to Luke. We'll be in Luke chapter 13, and we will begin in verse 10, right where we left off last week. Luke chapter 13 and verse 10. And today we're going to look at an account from the life of Christ that's unique to Luke's Gospel. Um, We're going to look at the loosing or the freeing of the woman. The freeing or loosing of the woman. Now, uh, in this in this text, you'll notice as we read it that Jesus not, does not free her from physical shackles. He doesn't free her from the, the patriarchy, so-called. Uh, but, but instead, He frees her from spiritual oppression that is resulting in a physical malady. But not only that, uh, we also see a synagogue official's response to this miraculous liberation. And uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. But if you found Luke chapter 13 and are able to... I'd like you to say in honor of God's word. We'll pick up in verse 10 and read down through verse 17. It says, And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and there was a woman who for for 18 years had had a sickness caused by a spirit, and she was bent double and cannot straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your sickness. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she she was made erect again and began glorifying God. But the synagogue official, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, began saying to the crowd in response, There are six days in which work should be done, so come during them to get healed and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites! Does not each one of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to water him? And this woman, a daughter of Abraham as she is, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, should she not have been released from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said this, all his opponents were being humiliated, and the entire crowd was rejoicing over all the glorious things being done by him. Thank you. you may be seated. Now, the first thing that I want you to see today is the sick woman. The sick woman now sometime during his his trip to Jerusalem, Jesus is teaching in this synagogue on the Sabbath. Now this is not unusual it 's not uncommon for him to be doing that. We see it many times, uh, but but Jesus is often in the place of worship now most likely he was not there as an attender Now when we go on trips um, and, and i 'm sure you 're the same way whenever we go on trips, a lot of times we like to go to uh, to, to church and it 's good for us because yeah, we we we're on this side of the pulpit, so to speak. We're involved in in this part of ministry, and so it's good for us to be out in out on the other side of the pulpit. And uh, and maybe you're you're the same way. You, you you try to find a place where you just want to go and worship, be in some place just different. And so that's what we may think of. But Jesus, whenever he would travel, many times he was there. Preaching, he was there teaching, and this was this was customary. If a traveling rabbi was coming through a town, if they were coming through an area, the uh, the synagogue would open their doors, and of course they didn't have a pulpit like we do, but they would they would open the pulpit so to speak, and that guest rabbi would come and he would speak to the people who would assemble there. And so it's, it's likely that's what Jesus is doing. And again, we see that many times throughout his life. So, for instance, in Luke chapter four, we see him doing that at Nazareth. You remember that's when he took the scroll of Isaiah and read the following. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And just, just listen, as, uh, we, we covered this, but it's been probably months ago now. But, but think of all the stuff that we've covered, all the ministry that Jesus has had, including what's going on in our text today. And listen to what he read at the, at the outset of his ministry. And listen to how those things have been fulfilled in his ministry to people. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And we see Him doing those very things in our text today even. So... so, Anyway, Jesus is oftentimes in the synagogues. This is the last time in Luke's gospel he shows up in the synagogues. He's not there teaching after this point in Luke's gospel. Now, now this at the same synagogue is a woman. Now, if you look at verse 11, you'll notice that this woman has a terrible condition. The Bible says that she is bent over double. She's, she has a sickness, but it's caused by a spirit, by a demonic spirit, uh, no doubt. Now, it's worth noting that this is This is not a common sickness. It's not just a common illness. She didn't go to she didn't you know, she didn't have kids go to to go to school and come home and and bring this and, and pass along through the through the household. This is something that is uncommon in nature because she's not possessed by demons. She's not deranged like we usually see with demonic possession in the Bible. She's she's not, you know, foaming at the mouth, she's not walking around without clothes on, living in the tombs or or something like that, like Legion did. Um when Jesus performs this work, he doesn't cast out a demon, and she's spoken of as being freed and not healed. And so this is not just this is not a, a regular sickness, and it's not a it's not a demonic possession like in other instances, and it's not it's not a natural thing that's happening. So her situation is is unique in this sense. And so Jesus frees her from this bondage. Now I do think there are a couple of lessons we can learn from this. The first is that sickness can be, but is not necessarily Caused by the devil. Sickness can be, but is not necessarily caused by the devil. And it seems like as Christians we tend to go one of two ways. One way people go is, oh, I'm sick, therefore um, the the devil must be oppressing me. And and he must be he must be hammering me. And this this all must come from him. The other way people tend to go is they see the devil behind everything. And and they they think that, that if anything bad happens, the devil is responsible. And sometimes he is, but sometimes it's because we live in a fallen world. Sometimes it's because of our own bad choices that things happen. But we see this a handful of times in Scripture. For instance, Job. God allowed the devil to afflict Job in his body. Job was, uh, was stricken with boils. He, was in a, he had his health taken away, and that was from the devil. In Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, Paul says, "...because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason to keep me from exalting myself..." There was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. This was something that was afflicting Paul in the flesh. It was a physical condition, and he terms it, it was a messenger of Satan. And so sometimes the devil is behind uh, physical ailments, physical conditions. We see it in this woman. Now the Bible is clear, as believers, if you are a believer, you cannot be possessed by the devil. You cannot be demon-possessed. Jesus Talked about it this way, he said. Uh, it, well, he he turned himself. He, he called himself the strong man who entered another man's house and began to plunder that house. And what he was saying is, in the context of that, he was freeing people from demonic possession. He was entering the devil's house and he was taking what had been the devil's. And as a believer, the devil is not going to overpower. You, it's not going to overpower Christ in you and take up residence. Having said that, even though we cannot be possessed, we can be oppressed we cannot be possessed by the devil but we can be in warfare against the devil we can face demonic opposition and and as a as a result we can have physical difficulties coming to our lives because of the devil and so that's what's happening with this with this woman now her specific condition was if you'll notice she was bent double and could not straighten up at all now i pondered that this week can you imagine being bent over and you can't straighten up at all think what that would be like every moment of every day of your life you can't stand up you can't straighten up you can't you know stretch out your back you can't do any of that you walk around looking at the ground i'm sure as she as she went through life she had many difficulties Uh, she, she couldn't she couldn't look at her loved ones in the face. She couldn't see, you know, maybe her kids, her grandkids, nieces, nephews couldn't see them growing. All she could see is their, their feet growing. When she went to the marketplace, I'm sure that there were people staring at her. Probably little kids would ask their moms and dads why she walked like that, why she looked like that. You know, there, if she had a counter in her house, she couldn't, she couldn't really, wouldn't be able to reach up to get stuff off the counter. I mean, she was in a bad, bad state. And yet here she was at the synagogue. And that really, that really stuck out to me because how, how, cavalier, how cavalier we are with going to the house of the Lord here in America. We look outside and there are two clouds in the sky. We say, oh, there must be rain. I don't want to get wet. I, I might melt. I'm going to stay home. Or we say, you know, it's a little colder than what I prefer outside. I'm just going to stay home today. Or we say, well, I don't want to miss the game. The game's on today. The game doesn't start till three hours after church is over. But, you know, I just better stay home just in case. Here's this woman. She can't stand up straight. She hasn't been able to for almost a quarter of a century. And here she is at the synagogue. She's here at God's house, hoping that the Lord will one day free her from this condition. So we see this sick woman and the condition she's in. Next, I want you to see the Savior's compassion and the Savior's power. Look at verses 12 and 13. Now, notice this woman does not speak to Jesus. She doesn't seek him out. She doesn't plead with him. In other, in other cases, we have people like blind Bartimaeus. Jesus is walking along, Son of David, Son of David, help, I, 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 I want to regain my sight, so on and so forth. This woman doesn't come to Jesus. She's in the synagogue with Jesus, but Jesus is the one that initiates all this, and it was evidently because he was moved with compassion. Why else would he have done it? And he calls her over to himself, and he frees her from this sickness. Now, again, I want you to notice it's not you are healed of this sickness. The ultimate cause was demonic activity. He had, they, had, they had bound her in some sense in this condition, and he freed her from that. Now, look at verse 13. It says that he, he, he said that she was free, and he laid his hands on her, and immediately, verse 13, immediately she was made erect again. And I'm glad to include that word immediately. I think that's, that's such a significant word immediately she was made whole. Now, there are a couple things about this cure to notice. First, it was complete. He didn't just increase her range of motion you know, to 75%. Now she's like this instead of being like this. Well, that's, that's good, but it's not as good as this. It was a complete healing. But also notice it was an instantaneous healing. Now, I don't know about you. I sus- I, okay, I know about you. The longer that I'm alive and longer you're alive, it takes us longer to bounce back, doesn't it? Now, used to, I bounced that back pretty quick, and now I just bounce and jiggle. But I mean, I could, I could have a meteor fall on me, and I'd be, okay, that's, uh, it, and I'd be going on. And now, if I sneeze wrong, I throw my back out. If I sleep in a weird position, man, it takes a while to get the kinks worked out. If I sit in a chair for a, a while, And then I get up; I'm still kind of looking like I'm sitting in a chair. Anybody else like that? I mean, we 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 know you know what I'm talking about, and that's if I'm just in a chair for maybe an hour, we'll say. This woman was in this position for 18 years. She stood in that position. She slept in that position. This goes way beyond having stiff joints. And muscles. I mean, I'm no physician, so I can't speak on this authoritatively. But I'm sure that after that amount of time, there's probably some atrophy of certain muscles to be taking place. There may be structural changes in her body that are taking place. And yet, all of that is overcome with a single word from Christ. Now, a while back, I uh, I saw a video of Kenneth Copeland, and I'm just going to take. This is just an aside. I'm going to say this as your loving pastor. If you ever watch Kenneth Copeland for any kind of spiritual content, you need to turn that trash off and get watch something better. You watch paint dry, and you get more out of uh, more spiritual content than out Kenneth Copeland. He's a fraud and a huckster, and that's just my accurate opinion. (laughs) It may be my opinion, but it's right. So anyway, I saw him, and I watched a video of him because. He's a health and wealth, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it type guy. And so he had this healing event and he went and he was he had all these people that were there to get a healing, a touch from God and they had all these folks on the front that were there in wheelchairs and and had various things going on with them. And so he would walk out there and he would lay his hands on them and he would talk about God's power he would talk about God's healing and this, that, and the other, and then you move on to the next one and and do the same thing. And I was as I read this, I was reminded of this video because I had seen it not too long before this, because there was one man in this in this event, and I actually went back, found the video, listened to it again, and read the transcript to make sure I didn't miss it, and didn't want to misquote him, didn't want to misrepresent him. So there's a man sitting there in a, in a wheelchair. He cannot he cannot get out of it. And here's what Kenneth Copeland said, and I quote, Glory to God. You're not bound to this chair. The day will come you'll walk out of it in the name of Jesus. End quote. So he proclaimed to this man who was unable to get out of his chair, One day you'll get out of this chair. And then he went on. Now, actually, right after that, then the man's wheelchair actually tipped over backwards. And the man didn't get up and take his wheelchair and go home. Rather, they had to set him back up and everything. And instead of saying, oh my, this, I'm, I'm sorry, help this man. Do you need medical attention? No, he just went on, came, circled back and came back to him eventually in passing. But I'm glad Jesus didn't look at this woman and say, one day you'll walk out of here straight. One day you'll stand upright. Glory to God. I'm glad he didn't do that. It was an instantaneous, complete healing by the act of God. Through Jesus, he, he laid his hands on this woman and she was made well. Immediately. Completely. Not like this nonsense that you see on TV, this, this dog and pony show. Jesus did a work of God in this woman's life. He had power and compassion. Anyway, that's kind of got off on a tangent there. But you know what? That stuff really irks me. So we have this sick woman. We have the the, the Savior's compassion and his power. Next, I want you to see the synagogue official's response. Now, naturally, her response to being free from that condition and able to walk upright was to glorify God. I mean, you can imagine. Now, listen, I am a Baptist. Baptist born, Baptist raised. When I'm dead I'll be Baptist dead, I guess. And I'm not all about the whooping and hollering and running up and down the aisles. But buddy, if that was me that got healed after eighteen years, you can bet that I'd be doing it. And if I saw somebody that'd been in that condition for eighteen years and they'd been healed, I've been saying Normally I wouldn't encourage that, but I'd be alright with it there. Wouldn't you? And most, most normal sane people, if they saw somebody who for almost 20 years was bent over and they couldn't walk upright, all of a sudden instantaneously, completely was made whole and they could stand up and they had all those muscles that had atrophied, made strong again and that person had gotten their balance back and all those things. Most people would be glorifying God and saying, thank you Lord for what you've done. But this woman, and this woman did that, but this, this synagogue official, look at what his response is. Well, look at what it says. Verse 14, but the synagogue official, but there's the there's a contrast. He was indignant. He was upset. He got his nose out of joint. And not only did he dislike it, he tried to squelch everybody else's excitement too. He began to talk to everybody else and said, y'all need to change. He didn't get upset because got God had done a work. He, he got upset because of the day that he did the work on. He, he was like the, the water brigade that, are, that forms in many churches. He sees somebody getting on fire for the Lord, so he tries to put them out. Now, he, what's his beef with Jesus? He performed a miracle on the wrong day of the week. Isn't that ridiculous? He says, there are six days in which to work. Come then to be healed and not on the Sabbath. Now, of course, he's referencing the Ten Commandments where God says to the Israelites, in six days you should work on the seventh day, you keep it holy, set it apart, make it special. So was Jesus in violation of that command of God? And the answer to that is no. And I'll give you three reasons why. Number one, He's the Lord of the Sabbath. And if He wants to work on that day, He can. If He wants to set aside the requirements of that day, He can. But number two... Even barring that, the commandment relates to our work, not God's work. Jesus didn't heal this woman by some human effort. This was an act of God. And number three, all Jesus did was put his hands on her. That's not at work. So Jesus didn't violate this command. He violated this man's idea of the command. But I think it teaches us that people will oppose just about anything, especially if it's not done the way they think it ought to be done. People will oppose anything, even if it's a good thing. If you're doing it some different way, then they think it should be done. I've mentioned it before, but I think it was D.L. Moody, or maybe C.H. Spurgeon is is one of the old evangelists. Somebody said they didn't like his method of evangelism. He said he didn't either. And the asterisk said, "Madam, what's your method?" She says, "Well, I don't, I don't really have one." He said, "Well, I like my way of doing it better than your way, of not doing it." You know, we we, we it's easy to sit in, the, sit in the cheap seats and boo, isn't it? But just because it's done a different way than what we're used to, the way that we think it could be done or should be done, that doesn't mean that it necessarily is wrong. Now, that's what this guy's problem was. Finally, we, we've seen, we've seen the, uh, the, these, these different things. The last thing I want you to see is Jesus' condemnation. His condemnation. Now, Jesus doesn't put up with any nonsense. Look at verse 15. This man stands up and he starts squelching everybody's excitement. Y'all come on the other six days of the week. Don't come. Don't, don't think you can come to church and get a touch from God? What are you thinking? That's what he was saying. And Jesus doesn't put up with it. Verse 15, the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites. Notice that's a plural. Hypocrites, not just one. The synagogue official was the only one that's mentioned, but evidently he was speaking for others who shared his view, namely, and we know from elsewhere, it's the other religious leaders. They had a problem with Jesus and the way he was doing things. He says, you hypocrites, you fakes, you actors, you'll free, uh, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to water him? In other words, you'll free your ox or your donkey on the Sabbath so they can go get a drink, And you're more concerned about caring for this animal on one day of the week than for a a person creating God's image that's been bound up for 18 long years. And not just a woman, but a daughter of Abraham, a fellow Jew. And listen, if a person values the life of an animal over the person, if they value the life of an animal over the life of a person, there's a problem. And I don't care if it's if it's recorded in scripture, I don't care if it's as people will say it's okay to, to, to protect an eagle egg, but it's okay to kill a baby. I'm, I'm saying if you value the life of, a, of an animal over the life of a person, your heart's in the wrong place. So what does this teach us? Well, first, this whole account shows us the mercy of the Lord. He saw this woman in her condition. She was in a pitiful condition. She had a physical ailment, and he was moved with compassion to help her. And I just want to tell you, he sees you today too. He sees you today in whatever condition you're in. It may be that you've been in that state for many years, he sees you. Now, he may act like he did in the case of this woman. But that may not be his will because Paul had this physical element, this thorn in the flesh. And if you read Second Corinthians and what he says, he said, this, this thorn in the flesh was given me. A messenger of Satan sent to, to, to torment me, to buffet me, to, to pound me. And he says, I prayed to God three times that he would remove it. And what does he go on to say? Instead of removing it, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. So, sometimes God acts in, a, in such a way as to remove that thorn in the flesh, but sometimes He gives us grace to bear up under it, whatever it is. And it may not be a physical ailment. It may be, it may be a family issue. It may be a job situation. I mean, we, there are so many things that, that, that burden us, that weigh us down, and His grace is sufficient. And He will, he will bear you up. He will strengthen you. But either way, He sees your situation he knows your situation so we can come to him and trust him but it also shows us that some people are going to oppose anything that god does and it's easy to look at this and say tsk tisk, synagogue ruler synagogue official you should have known better you shouldn't have been selling people don't come on the sabbath to get a touch from god it's easy to look at that and, and, and have that kind of an attitude, but listen, it's easy enough for any of us to fall into that situation, to, to fall into that mindset, that, that if it's different, therefore we just miss it out of hand and say it's automatically wrong, because we all have our way of doing things. Just because it's different doesn't mean that it's wrong. Once you to stand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, ask you bow your heads and close your eyes. and with nobody looking around, I just want to, um, I just want to encourage you to bring whatever situation it is that you have before the Lord. Again, it may be something that you've gone through for an extended time. It may be something that's brand new to you and it's easy in those times we it's easy when it's, it's light to sing oh how I love Jesus and I know he, he's with me and, and to, to profess those truths of scripture but then whenever the darkness falls and we're going through that dark valley it's harder to remember those things. It's no less true, but it's harder to remember them. And I just want to encourage you, if you're in one of those situations, God is with you as much in that as He is up on the mountaintop. If you have some situation you brought to the Lord or maybe you've given up, you've you've abandoned hope you've run out of steam so to speak I want to encourage you to continue to bring that to God think if that woman would have stopped the week before Jesus showed up at that synagogue it could be all these things I'm talking about are foreign to you because you don't know Christ he is not that friend that sticks closer than a brother. I can tell you that if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, if you will repent of your sins and turn to Christ in faith, you will be saved. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're so good to us. And even our bad days are pretty good. And Lord, we know that there are difficulties in life and we're not downplaying those. There's real pain and there's real suffering even even for the child of God. Lord, we thank you that we don't go through it alone. That you're there with us. You'll strengthen us. And those who wait on you will gain new strength will mount up with wings like eagles. And God, I pray for that person maybe who's here today, maybe they're watching online at uh, uh, even at another time. But God, they're going through something. God, I pray that you would help them to um, to be encouraged to take those things to you. And Lord, for... Um, For the needs, we pray that your will would be done. God, for any of us here who maybe don't know Christ, I pray that you would uh, draw them to yourself and let them become your child. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.